This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 374. Thanks to Organifi for sponsoring this episode. They are makers of Organifi Gold Chocolate, a superfood hot chocolate that contains only one gram of sugar, plus powerful superfoods and mushrooms to help you relax and curb those nighttime cravings. Just go to Organifi.com forward slash MTA for 20% off. That's Organifi.com forward slash MTA. This episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you, and they offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. And right now you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. That's insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. <laughs> Welcome to the MTA Podcast, helping you go the distance. In this episode, you will hear how Angie stumbled into running marathons. What gave me the idea to start the MTA Podcast 12 years ago? Our favorite and most difficult races that we've done, plus the lessons we've learned along the way. And don't forget, inside the Academy, you can get all of our awesome courses, training plans, and more. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So if you've been struggling with running in the cold recently, think of Vasily Lukin, who recently ran the coldest marathon in the world up in Yakusha, northern Siberia, where temperatures were negative 53 degrees Celsius. Wow. That's negative 63 Fahrenheit. <laughs> Extremely cold. He finished in three hours, 22 minutes. So that's an average of 447 per kilometer or 742 per mile. Hey, it was so cold, he wanted to get inside. <laughs> And this is being billed as the world's coldest marathon. That's right. So and you see pictures of the runners, and they're just bundled up from head to toe, kind of just with their eyes showing. And even that section is just, you know, crusted over with ice. Hardcore stuff, man. Well, before we get into our episode, we'd like to give some props to folks in the community. Big congrats to uh, coaching client Emily on running a PR in the half marathon. That's right. She did the 3M half marathon in Austin, Texas with a time of two hours and 25 minutes. She's currently working with MTA coach Antonio. And we'd like to say congrats to someone in our virtual race community. This is from Yushiko Hawken. She is in her 80s, lives in Switzerland, and last year, uh, I think she walked over 1,500 miles, did all of our social distancing run virtual challenge from 100 all the way to 1,500. We launched this new challenge series called the Runner's High Challenge, and it features famous mountains. The first mountain is the Matterhorn in Switzerland. So she completed it on January 20th. So between January 1st and January 20th, she has completed 100 miles walking. And that's already really cool. You know, she's in her 80s and she's already done probably twice as many miles as I have um, <laughs> this year. What's even more cool is she posted a picture of herself in front of the Matterhorn. So she must have been out there walking, doing the Matterhorn Runner's High Challenge. That's pretty awesome. Top that. I mean, that's... <laughs> Speaking of our virtual run group, we got this report from Sean in Peace River, Alberta, Canada, where it's very cold. 
He said, I spent the day yesterday at the track with Peggy because it's negative 35 degrees Celsius outside. We started running laps at 9 a.m. and didn't finish until 5.30 p.m. Wow. We did 342 laps for a total of 59 kilometers. It was my 57th birthday, and Peggy is almost 59, so we decided to push through and get her birthday miles done at the same time. Today, I'm feeling sore and achy, but also feeling accomplished and happy to be alive. Every birthday is special, and I'm becoming more and more aware how grateful I find myself. Our lives are precious and not to be taken for granted. Awesome. That comes from Sean in Canada. And he and Peggy also do ice baths all throughout the winter. Yeah, they so. show they, they post videos of themselves plunging, like cutting a hole. This is what everyone does in Canada probably, right? <laughs> uh, cutting a hole in the ice and then jumping in like it's a hot tub. <laughs> We'd also like to say congratulations to Brandy. She says, I hit 500 miles on December 24th and did my second marathon on January 16th. I was able to cut 34 minutes off my first marathon time. Nice. Thanks to the social distancing runs and an MTA training plan for keeping me moving through 2021. Happy to help. Congrats on uh, conquering your second marathon. Here's to a great year in 2022. We're going to go ahead and get into our feature segment. Uh, we're going to play an interview that we did over on Pushing the Limits podcast, Lisa Tomati, who's based in New Zealand. It's been a while since we've just kind of shared more of our story, and I know we have a lot of new listeners. So Lisa interviewed us on her show last year. She gave us permission to uh, replay it. And Angie, I don't know if you remember, but she's like very generous in her praise, like calling us rock stars and legends. <laughs> yes, I remember blushing, you know, during our interview thinking, uh, I don't feel like I deserve that kind of accolades. <laughs> it's funny because like her accomplishments are way more fascinating. Yes. <laughs> 100%. She's uh, run across the Sahara. She's run the whole length of New Zealand. She's completed over 140 ultras. Uh, if you want to hear us interview Lisa, uh, you can go back in the podcast feed from 2021. There is an episode called Live Long and Prosper, interview with Lisa Tomati. So after we interviewed her, uh, we got back on the mic and she interviewed us. And you will hear her ask us questions about why we got started podcasting and how we got into running. So you'll hear Angie share why she started running as a teenager what it was like to train for her first marathon, how it went. Spoiler alert, it was not pretty. <laughs> uh, why we started the MTA podcast 11 years ago. Almost 12 years ago. That's right. Angie also talks about her 50-state marathon quest. We'll talk about our most memorable marathons that we've done, lessons we've learned along the way, and also the value of facing challenges. Here's that interview from the Pushing the Limits podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week I have Trevor and Angie from the Marathon Training Academy. It's super exciting to have you guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lisa. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're excited about this. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I found you actually uh, through a mutual friend, Dean Canassis, who I know you've had on the show a couple of times, yeah. and Dean's been a, a huge uh, influence in my life, as you can possibly imagine. But yeah, shout out to Dean. Thanks for introducing us, and I just loved your show, so I thought, well, yeah, got to have you guys on. Um, awesome. So you guys are running coaches, and um, you have three kids. Um, let's start there. Tell us a little bit about your training academy and what you do and your podcast and, and all of that sort of good stuff. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, thanks for the opportunity to be on the podcast here. And I'll, I'll introduce myself. This is Trevor. I am America's okayest runner. <laughs> I thought you were going to say laziest. <laughs> laziest? No. Um, no. That's me. <laughs> of course, Angie's my better half. She's she's actually the running coach. I'm more of like the, the business guy. But we, uh, we started in 2010. We launched the Marathon Training Academy podcast because we figured – 
hey, maybe, you know, Angie had some knowledge and experience running a couple of marathons. Maybe people would benefit from learning how to do it. So we launched it and uh, have been pretty much releasing content consistently for the last 11 years. It is not easy, as you know. <laughs> no, it is not. That is so, so impressive to keep going for that long. We, we've, we've been going five and a half years, and I thought I was ancient in, in the podcast space. Yeah. So, so amazing. And, you know, you've got a huge following. You know, you're telling me some of your download stats, and I'm like, oh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you guys, you guys are rock stars. I, well, I guess we've been fortunate in the beginning when we launched. I don't think there was a lot of competition for what we we're talking about, at least in the US on iTunes, there was podcasts where people would carry a recorder out when they ran and they would just dictate breathing really heavy into the mic and stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of like prescriptive training advice, which is what, what we try to do. I mean, we tell stories and we do race recaps and take people you know, with us as we go racing around the country. But we try to be like prescriptive, sharing lots of tips and strategies and principles. Angie's also a registered nurse and as well as being a running coach. So that appealed to people and it just took off in the beginning. We got lucky. I guess it was dumb luck. I don't know. But <laughs> we, uh, we started uh, connecting with people right away, uh, folks that would email us from all over the world. And uh, we just had a, a great audience ever since. And uh, I just checked the numbers today. And we've, our show has been downloaded uh, 10.8 million times since insane. we started. That is insane. I got a long way to go to catch up to you guys. <laughs> you guys are rock stars. <laughs> and Angie, you are a, a legend in the running space. So you've already done what 50 marathons in 50 states for one thing. Um, tell us a bit about your career. Well, I definitely don't feel like a legend. I guess that when you are the person who is is doing it all, you always kind of feel like, wow, I I kind of feel like there's still so much that could be accomplished. There's, you know, there's always like that comparison trap we can fit ourselves into. Like there's mm -hmm. always someone yeah. who can run faster unless you're Elliot Kipchoge. Yeah. There's always <laughs> exactly. someone who's done more crazy challenges. So I think that's a dangerous, dangerous feel to start comparing yourself to other people. But I will say that I started running off and on when I was a teenager and I, didn't have a great motivation. It was more about trying to lose weight. Yes. And when I didn't see instant right. results, then I would kind of give it up and be like, oh, you know, this isn't working. But I do feel like I really finally became a runner in my late 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, we had moved across the country. It was a move that I really didn't want to make. It was for work. And I had two little kids at home. And I just felt like, I was stuck and I needed a new challenge. And so kind of on a whim, I signed up for a 5K race. And they say the 5K is the gateway drug to long distance running. <laughs> I and love it. <laughs> in so my case, true. it was, it was like a completely miserable race. It was hot and humid and I'm not a good hot weather runner. But I felt like there was like a spark inside me. Like this is something that really fired me up. Like it wasn't about beating other people. In fact, you know, I had a very, very average time, <laughs> but I just kind of felt like, wow, I bet you I can get better at this. And I'd never considered myself an athlete before. I never played any sports. So running was something, it was just kind of me against me. And I decided I needed a bigger challenge. So I signed up for my first marathon. And at the Sweet. time I didn't, I didn't have any friends who were runners. You know, they probably would have advised me against it. Actually, <laughs> yep. I didn't know anyone who'd ever done a marathon before. In fact, at the time we were 
so poor that I could either afford the race registration or a new pair of shoes. And so, <laughs> so my mom actually paid for my race registration. So I consider her my first like official sponsor because she got me going. <laughs> Love it. So I'm training for this marathon on my own. Long story short, I do everything wrong. You know, I just run. I don't do any kind of recovery or cross training or strength training. And I'm getting injured, dealing with back pain and IT band pain and all the things. But I was stubborn enough that I kept going and was able to finish the marathon. And although, you know, it felt completely grueling at times, just when I crossed that finish line, it really, I was like, wow, I know I'm going to do this again. And it, that kind of just started my journey. I actually, after that first marathon, had to take three months off of running because my IT band was so bad, I had knee pain, the whole nine yards. And that's when I started doing yoga and kind of discovered like, wow, I can really start to learn more about my body and not ignore these signals that it's sending me, you know, like there are some areas that need to be strengthened. And I think that kind of sowed the seeds for what became Marathon Training Academy, because I mm -hmm. wanted to help people have a better experience than I did the first time, like have the knowledge, have the information to not get injured and not have to do things the hard way. Um, and so I went on to run my second marathon, training much smarter and was able to break four hours for the first time, which was wow, a huge goal awesome. of mine. Yep. And so I think that's kind of when Trevor mentioned wanting to start a podcast and about marathon training, I was like, well, I don't feel like I know enough, you know, <laughs> and like, who's going to listen to us? We're just sitting in our living room recording this thing. This, I had very, very low aspirations for where it was going to go, but um, he had the vision and we stuck with it and just have had a very wonderful, gracious audience. And we just, you know, being able to meet so many amazing people throughout the years. And I think that's been the most rewarding part of it. That's amazing. Um, Trevor, your wife's a bit of a, a superstar by the sounds of it. She's just like very humble. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. She puts me to shame. Like she does everything that you're supposed to do, like that your coach tells you that, that you see on your training plan, doesn't miss a day, doesn't miss a workout. And, and I do like 25% of my training plan. Probably 50%. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant though but I, I love that the fact that you like because you know like me when I started running I had no idea what the hell I was doing I just put one foot in front of the other and and mm -hmm. I was hopeless and I was slow and I'm still slow um <laughs> even 25 years later and genetically speaking not the most gifted person in the world but very very stubborn and that's mm -hmm. all you need with running and it is I love that you yeah. are all about the everyday runner um we, we have a running coaching arm of our company as well and and we are very much into that holistic approach to running too with our strength and the mobility and the mindset and the nutrition and all of that sort of stuff that i had no idea about of back in the day and i just bumbled along running <laughs> long because that's what you did isn't it you know you just if you're gonna yeah. run long you run long what the hell is strength training what do i need that for um so i think we you know we both bumbled on into the space and and this is the key thing, I think, from your story is that uh, when you just keep going and keep going and keep going, you suddenly find yourself looking back on like, holy heck, I've done a lot. <laughs> I've done some pretty amazing sure. things. It's just like running is putting one step in front of the other and then being open to learning, getting good coaching, getting, you know, so that you, because I like what you said, Ange, about making mistakes and then not wanting other people to make them. And that is just that's the motivation for what we do too because I reinvented the entire wheel 
and you don't need to. And, you know, like, do you find a lot of runners come and they, um, they don't think they need a coach for starters? <laughs> Most people only come to you when they're injured. Is that what happens to you guys as well? Yeah, I think, you know, often there is part of human nature. And, and I think certain personality types who are more driven to like, I'm going to do this myself and I'm stubborn, I'm going to see this through. Um, and yeah, they maybe they've tried a few times to hit a specific time goal that they have and they realize, wow, this is not going in the direction that I thought it should be going or the injury issues. You know, we do have, I think people's knowledge and information, it's better now. There's so mm. much more out there that a lot of people who are probably smarter than I was are like, hey, I can probably <laughs> cut out the injury part and I can get good advice and good help um, in the beginning and make this so much you know, better journey. And I think also for me, I went at alone, you know, for the first few years and just being part of a community makes it so much more special. And I think the running community is just amazing. You know, you meet the best people and mm -hmm. have conversations with people like you. And it, I think doing things in community makes it so much richer. Oh man, I could learn so much from you guys. I reckon, you know, I think you've got a really good approach to it. So, Trevor, what are you looking back at, you know, in the podcast space? Because you you say you're the businessman behind the the amazing lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got any tips for a podcaster? <laughs> Because obviously you guys are doing something right. So you started off in this space, like you've grown this massively. Um, and I know what goes into it. And, you know, when you come to it a bit later, it's been a bit harder for sure. What have you learned on that journey from a, you know, community building point of view? Because I feel like we've still got work to do in that space. And, you know, I'm always keen to learn from people who are so successful. Yeah. Well, one thing when Angie was talking and she was telling the story of when I pitched the podcast idea to her, uh, one thing she didn't tell you was her first response was, because this is 2010, or actually 09 when I pitched the idea, her first response was, what's a podcast? Yeah, 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 100%, yeah, yeah. totally ignorant. Yeah, well, you so, still get people not knowing what the hell a podcast is. Yeah. So I think getting in early obviously was a big help to us kind of to be on the front end of a trend. We actually started in what was called the the second wave of podcasting. So podcasting got going in earnest around 06. So they say that was the first wave. And then around 2010 was the second wave. There's a lot more shows starting. And now we're, we might be in, you know, the fourth wave of podcasting now where almost every major company has a podcast, uh, every news agency and every, you know, late night TV show host. So it, it's definitely a more crowded space. But on the other hand, there are still people, like you said, who've never heard of a podcast. Mm -hmm. More and more people are coming to the medium and podcasting is becoming more mainstream. It's cool to see the cultural awareness rise since we've started. Yeah. But I think it's in terms of like tips on growing a show and community. Uh, one thing that helped us in the beginning and still helps us is uh, hearing from listeners, featuring their stories that the top of our show, every episode we do shout outs, kind of like a virtual high five. And people are like, like all of us, people love to hear uh, their name, name? Yeah. <laughs> podcast. Excellent. It just makes them feel, yeah, lights them up. It puts a smile on their face. And uh, we, we try to do that a lot where we uh, engage the audience that way. So, and then, you know, the off podcast stuff too is also important, like our social yeah. media stuff and yep. all that. and all of that. 
And we also yeah. kind of try to keep in top of mind, like what's in it for the listener, because yeah, exactly. at the end of the day, people only have so much brain space and time. And so they're going to keep listening to shows that they feel like are giving them good value and, you know, that they connect to in some way. And so I think just keeping that it listener focused and stuff, you know, no one wants to hear about like a dissertation of what we've been doing for the last week in depth. You know, they want to, feel, yeah, they, exactly. want to they want to get know, to the point. They, they want to get to know us a little yeah. bit, but they also want to know that we care about their needs and everything and, and what's top of mind. Yeah. So I think that's been helpful as well. Yeah. I, I edit our show judiciously. And really? If, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and I spend way good. too much time. I'm, I'm just a perfectionist with, <laughs> with it. and I haven't been able to outsource that yet. So I edit our show. And also, like Angie said, I know people's time is important. So if if we go down a certain path in the conversation that I think is not pertinent enough, I'll just cut it. You know, yeah. so I'll just I'll take Pretty a sure. one hour episode, maybe sometimes cut it down to 40 minutes. Yeah. And he has yeah. to edit out all my likes and, you know, all my verbal clutter. So <laughs> It takes about half of the content away. <laughs> and it's so much work, hey? Like that whole oh, side yeah. of things is just so much work. But I love that you you do that and you're a perfectionist. And um, I'm, I'm technically completely disabled and um, <laughs> I have a team of people behind me doing a lot of the stuff, but we can still improve and, and get better. But yeah, I love the meandering type of conversations that we have. So uh, let's go and um, talk a little bit about, I mean, for a start, Angie, I do have to ask you about your 50 marathons in 50 states, but like our friend Dean, um, how did that come about? And like, when did this become a challenge? Well, sometimes things just kind of sneak up on you. And I think it was at my fourth marathon and it was before the race. And I was sitting around talking to a couple of ladies and they had these shirts on that said marathon maniacs. And so I was like, what do those shirts mean? Like, what's a marathon maniac? And they're like, oh, it's a club where you have to run a certain number of marathons to be able to get in. And I was like, oh, like how many? And they said, well, you have to do two in two weeks or three in 90 days. And wow. I was like, what? That's, that's crazy. <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah. I could never do that and so I said that to, I could never do that and they're like oh you could if you really wanted to you know a lot of times we make excuses why we can't do something and sometimes it seems very valid at the moment but it's all a matter of priorities and that mm -hmm. stuck with me I'm like could I do that and so later that fall I did end up doing three marathons in that 90-day space and I became a marathon maniac and so when you surround yourself with people who are doing all <laughs> these big challenges I would joke that I was like a baby maniac because there was people who had done three four five hundred marathons in the wow. club that you would see at these races yeah um, and then I heard about the 50 state club so people who run a marathon in each of the 50 states and I thought wow that would be cool you know, I already have a few states under my belt. Like, why not? It doesn't have to be anything like Dean Carnaz is doing it in 50 days. Yeah. <laughs> it can take, no one cares like how long it takes and everything. And both Trevor and I love to travel. And so it seemed like a really great way to be able to explore our very diverse country and see all these amazing places, get to run. And so it just kind of started that way and took me 12 years to finish all 50 wow. states, but it's about the journey and not the destination. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that is a that rolls off the tongue really beautifully. Yeah, I've done a marathon in every state, 50 states, you know, like that's here's, just... <laughs> here's what's cool, Lisa. I don't know if Angie is going to tell you this, but she actually ran her last marathon fastest. Her, that was her fastest marathon. And that's, 
that's what's so cool about our sport is that even though you get older, you can still improve in so many ways. Yep. So her, her very 50th state was in Hawaii. She ran 319, qualified for Boston by 20 minutes. And that was at the age of 41. So she was, she was 10 years older, but ran an hour faster than when she started. I love it. Go the oldies. <laughs> I'm way older than you, so I can say that. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I totally agree. Like it is, you know, endurance is one of those things. I, I read a statistic once that a 19-year-old and a 64-year-old are on the same level of endurance or something, and you peak around mm-hmm. 48 as far as endurance goes, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm into that. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, like I had similar stories. I did my best performances in my 42, 43, around that, era, around mm. that age with my peak performances um i'm way after that now so things have slid off the hill a little bit um, <laughs> but um you know and of course it's what's going on in your life i've had a few other dramas in my life so you know there's mm-hmm. reasons for things slipping off but I, I love that and 319 is an incredible time and that's just amazing and i think yeah was- i still can't believe i did that actually <laughs> Wasn't that me? I don't know. It was just one of those days where everything comes together and, and, yeah. and you can Hawaii. never like predict that. In so. Hawaii, yeah. In Hawaii to boot. Yeah. Like, isn't that really hot in Hawaii? Isn't it like really difficult to do? Or It was, it was in January, so it was cooler, but it was hot, you know, compared yeah. to what I was used to. So Amazing. Amazing. And, and Trevor, how many did you do of those states? Like, have you done a, um, a few of them? Uh, I have. I think I'm up to like, 17 marathons i'm actually doing my 18th uh in 10 days from now so but he's done a lot of half marathons a lot of the time where i'd be doing a marathon um he would do the half marathon so he's probably run in most of those states as well yep yep and you know what i I study genetics right um everybody is genetically different so what i want you know when people listen to you and go oh my god she's amazing she's done 50 you know marathons and i want people to not take away from that that they should be doing back-to-back marathons because um even though yeah that's really cool to have these challenges we're not all genetically set up for that and we need to respect that sometimes it's been fascinating this journey of learning about genetics you know like when i did my genetics it came back actually i'm really not suited to the super long distance running and i was like (laughs) whoops whoops (laughs) is that why i've got all these health problems um and and actually my body is more set up it doesn't mean i can't ever do an ultra marathon again but it does mean if that if i want to have longevity and health for a long time which i do now because you know i'm from my 50s so i want to you know make sure that i stay on top of things um that i shouldn't be doing back-to-back ultras and that my body is much more Mm. suited to doing shorter and high intensity sort of workouts and, and and lots of yoga and Pilates and things as well. And so I just want people to take away from that is like everybody is different for some people, like my husband, he can run super, super long and it's genetically good for him to do that for me, not so much. And one of the other things that I've found like with in our running coaching, we get a lot of ladies, we probably have about 70% ladies in our um, run coaching community. And a lot of them are in their thirties, forties, fifties. It's not the best weight loss thing, is it? Angie. No, for me, at least. <laughs> I started for weight loss. I can gain weight while running marathons, you know, yeah. and even watching what I'm eating. So yeah, it is yeah. definitely, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not. So just want, yeah, people to understand like if, if you're wanting to do a weight loss program, that would be a, a completely different program that I'd set you than if you're wanting to do marathons for the ch- challenge of doing a marathon. Um, because there is this misconception that, yeah, I run a marathon and I'll get really, really thin and slim and 
no, I got fatter <laughs> doing marathons. <laughs> in fact, mm-hmm. I mean, when I ran through New Zealand, I put on weight and I was like running, you know, um, 70 odd kilometers a day. And I put on weight and I'm like, what the hell is this about? You know? Um, so <laughs> um, everybody is different. Respect your genes, respect your body. And as Angie said at the beginning of this podcast, compare yourself only to yourself, unless you're in the Olympics and then you probably have to compare yourself to the others. But for most of us, it is about you versus you and I think that's the beautiful thing about the sport that we can all do this together but it's actually each of our journeys well I hope you've enjoyed this interview thus far quick break to thank our episode sponsor Inside Tracker if you haven't had a blood test in a while check out what these guys are doing over at Inside Tracker it's just incredible information and data at your fingertips you sign up for one of their different levels someone comes to your house or you can go to a lab like right there where you live it's all taken care of through Inside Tracker you don't have to pay twice they send it off to their lab and then you get back your test results with all of these biomarkers showing you exactly where you are in your health yeah it's it's such a great way to keep track of your individual metrics because that's really the only way that you can gauge what your health is like and if the measures that you're taking are benefiting your body or not. And I was happy to see that a lot of my numbers had improved since the last time I'd done an inside tracker test. It's good to have that information so you can make intelligent decisions about your health. Check them out at insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. Find out what's going on under the hood of your body, as they say. Uh, you can get 20% off their entire store, any of their packages, insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. Thanks to Bombas for sponsoring this podcast. Bombas' mission is simple, to make the most comfortable clothes ever and to match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. I love my Bombas socks. They're so comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. Concerning the socks, there's tons of options. They have comfy performance styles with the sweat wicking ability, and they also have those no-show socks that'll never fall down. And they have underwear. Underwear that's so breathable, you'll feel like you're wearing nothing at all. And what's cool is that when you buy a pair of socks, they'll give a pair of socks to someone in need. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. Just go to bombas.com slash MTA. Use the code MTA for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S, bombas.com slash MTA, and use the code MTA for 20% off. Okay, Trevor, what was your favorite race that you've done? Oh, thanks for asking. There's this marathon I love to talk about. You've probably heard of it. It's the Jungfrau Marathon in Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's such a beautiful place. It's almost unreal, otherworldly, how beautiful it is there. Probably like New Zealand, actually. (laughs) Otherworldly beautiful. I've I've heard it's nice there, too. It's nice. It's very nice. Yeah. Well, I haven't been in New Zealand yet, unfortunately. So as of right now, Switzerland is, is my favorite place that I've run. Yep. They say that when, um, for those Lord of the Rings nerds who might be listening, when Tolkien after World War One was marching through the Lauterbrunnen Valley in Lauterbrunnen, Switzerland, and he sees this amazing place, and that was the inspiration for Rivendell. Oh wow! From in the book uh, and in the movies, uh, where you the elves live. First. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then we came to New Zealand to film it because it was even better. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but uh, what's cool about that marathon is it's uh, it's just pretty much all up, up this mountain until you get to 7,000 feet elevation. So it's pretty much a lot of power hiking after the, the second half, which is fine because I felt like 
Uh, I'm still making progress. So that's been my favorite marathon thus far. And yeah, it's so special. I lived in Austria for 13 years and would go over to Switzerland oh, wow. regularly and Austria and Switzerland, very similar. And just absolutely yeah. beautiful. I, I really miss the beauty of the place. It's just, a, you know, and the culture and the traditions and the, you know, all of, and the cool building, mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things. Yeah, it's pretty special. And what about you, Angie? What's your favorite race? Oh, I don't know. It's hard to hard to pick one. I would say my favorite international race was the Loch Ness Marathon in Scotland. <laughs> just going around Loch Ness, the lake, and just incredibly beautiful. And just the chance to be able to be there and be in the country and see so many amazing things. But I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a lot of races that I love um, here in the U.S. as well. You know, Boston is a very iconic yeah. and special race. Gosh, um, yes. The Marine Corps Marathon is is really like moving and that's uh, Washington D.C. Yeah, Washington D.C. And then uh, my home state is Montana, and so I've gotten to do a couple of marathons there. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm a little bit biased, but I love the mountains there. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what was your for both of you? What is what was your toughest race, or have you ever not made the finish line? Thankfully, no. Um, oh, actually, that one race that they closed the finish line. Oh wow! Oh yeah, yeah, ran a marathon. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was in that was in Austria. In fact, in 2019, they had to shut oh, the wow. course down because of the weather. But I think that for me, uh, the toughest race was uh, 50k in Montana. That I was probably undertrained because I'm so lazy, and I ended up uh, taking lots of lots of breaks, like like laying on the ground. <laughs> But I finished before the cutoff and I wasn't, I wasn't dead last. So I was was happy. Hey, you take whatever you can get when you, you know, go to the bottom of the barrel and there's not much left. If you get get across the finish line, it's pretty awesome. It was on the continental, continental divide trail. So there was a lot of elevation, but how about you, Angie? But there have been a lot of marathons where I finished feeling like, or even ultras, that was dragging a body part behind me, but I was like (laughs) too stubborn to quit kind of thing. But I think probably the most difficult one was the Leadville Trail Marathon Mm. in um, Leadville, Colorado, because it starts at 10,000 feet and it just goes up from there. And there was a section, a one mile section to get up to Hope Pass, which was the highest point. And it took me 30 minutes to go a mile. I would just, it was like walk a few feet, breathe, gasp for air, like pretend you're taking a picture because you're, you're embarrassed <laughs> at your pace. And that was, that was very challenging because I was not, we were living at sea level basically. Mm-hmm. And to go and do that, not being acclimated, it was, it was challenging. And then to look to the side of the trail and like, if I make a misstep, I'm going to fall off this mountain and oh. die. So one of those yeah. where I finished and I was just so thankful to be alive. <laughs> Sounds pretty damn scary. <laughs> what, what, what do you think are the biggest learnings from all of these? races and this journey that you've been on for for however long you've been running for what what are some of the biggest takeaways and do you think this crosses over into daily life into your businesses into your to the work you do and stuff like that and challenges in, in your home life and stuff yeah I would say the marathon and any long distance running is a great metaphor for life because you have to look at the long picture and like you were saying earlier we're always changing and evolving as people and we have to keep that in mind. And I've kind of through the years, um, through some trial and error, you know, my goal is to be a strong, healthy runner for life. And so being healthy through that lifespan is way more important than any one race for me. And I think that's, it's very important. Like, you know, we see people who are taking on these challenges and it is important to have goals and everything, 
but I think it's also important to just look at your overall health. You know, your, yes. is your sleep, is your nutrition, um, is your overall strength, um, are your relationships good? How is your mental and your emotional and your spiritual life? All those things go hand in hand. And I think that at some point, running accomplishments are only going to be so satisfying if those other things aren't in place. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been a big thing for me. Like, I tend to be a, like really goal oriented person, always looking to the future, like, yeah. well, when this happens, I'm going to be happy and be satisfied. And I finally came to the realization that if I can't be happy right now, in the imperfect, yep. you know, the Chaos way life is, life. Yep. if I can't be happy now that I'm not going to be happy in the future. And if I accomplish these goals, there's always going to be something else to chase. And so, you know, that's been something that I've been thinking about lately of, of just how to how to really appreciate the present. And I think that really goes into running or whatever people's goals are, because there's going to be a lot of kind of of the present that is challenging and that we don't want to go through. And I think it's important to do hard things, take on hard challenges, but there's going to be a lot of hard things that find us that we don't want to have to deal with that we're going to be forced to wrestle with. And I think that having done hard things in the past prepares you for those challenges that, you know, you never wanted to take on in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. When you've been struggling, going back to the genetics, you've probably got a, a dopamine thing where you have to, ch you're chasing dopamine all the time. Like I know yeah. I've got that a, a gene called the DRD2 gene where I don't have a heck of a lot of receptors for dopamine. So I'm always chasing a mission and, and um, just coming to understand that about yourself. It's like, aha, uh -huh, that's why I, I tend to, you know, like my brother said to me once, why are you always on a mission why can't you just sit on a beach and enjoy the day and I'm like it's like asking a table not to be flat and just <laughs> that's the way I am like get up and I'm missioning all day every day and and I'm like you Angie I'm trying to to change the the talk in my head to being present and sometimes like when you are going through challenges and you know life keeps chucking them at us at the moment um mm. you don't want to be in the now so you're and one of the big things that I really miss because I'm not doing ultras anymore is having that single focus, one goal, you know, and life was purely about being a, a selfish athlete who's just got on a mission. Um, and I don't have the luxury of that now with, with things in life. And I miss that. I miss that terribly, you know, that simplicity of life where you've got just this one big, huge goal and you're doing your work and stuff, but this is the one thing. And then when you're actually in the race, that's what I found beautiful about racing was that you're not thinking about the mortgage and what's going on in the family or anything else because you're just like, oh, I've got to get up this hill, you know. <laughs> Make it to the next aid station. <laughs> yeah, and you're yep. right in the moment. And yep. for so much of my life, I know that I'm in the future or the past and it's really learning to be in the now without having that single singular focus. Um, so really wise words, Angie, I think. And Trevor, what, what, do you, what would you say that running has brought to your mental resilience and toughness and ability to cope with things? Well, I know running marathons makes a lot of other stuff seem easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember how how tough my first half marathon was. And I thought I was going to die because mm. I was a pretty much a non runner previous to, to meeting Angie. So after I did my first full marathon, man, a half seemed like a walk in the park. It seemed so easy. Uh, even though, you know, there's still challenging, especially if you're trying to race a half marathon, oh, but we, we've had a, 
Joe DeSena on our podcast a couple of times. He's the founder of the Spartan Race yeah, Series. Yeah, I've been on his show. Awesome. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, one he's, hard ass. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. a scary guy. <laughs> he's a scary guy. <laughs> so I'll always remember something he talks about in his book, uh, Spartan Up, and that's obstacle immunity. When you make yourself do hard things, you become immune to Lovely. obstacles in life. You can just push through them, hurdle over them. But it's when you're playing it safe, when you're afraid to get out of your comfort zone, you know, sign up for that that marathon or whatever your your challenge is. It's that's when you get more timid and hard things seem harder than they really are, probably. Yeah. And it's all in our heads. Ah, there's gold. Obstacle immunity. That's going on my Instagram today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> because it is like um, you learn like when somebody or, or, or when someone tells you you can't do something, that's just like for me, like oh, we'll see. I don't agree with you <laughs> and, and we'll find out, you know, and that's really served me well because in, in the more that you realize when people tell you you can't do something and then you go and do it, that's just other people's limiting beliefs. And this is in all areas, you know, certainly in the, in the medical space and the, you know, with story with my mum, which my listeners know about, you know, if I'd listened to everybody telling me I can't do something, we would never be where we are now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have this mentality, you have, oh, obstacle, how do I get around it? What else can I do? Rather than, oh, obstacle, I have to stop and sit down and cry and that's it. And I think that mentality is brilliant. So obstacle immunity, yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you don't feel those hard feelings as Gosh, you get no. over the obstacle. Um, you know, it's it's. I think it's important sure. to acknowledge that it's hard and take time to feel that frustration or that sadness or that disappointment. But I think also acknowledging those emotions helps you get over the obstacle too, because you're not fighting your emotions then. You're using those and and using that to kind of fuel your fire to just do what needs to be done. Yeah, and you know what I think is beautiful too is when you look back and you you've overcome challenges, it makes you stronger for the next challenge. And this is, you know, you lift your horizon up every time. So you you're into your first half marathon and you're like, for five minutes you go, I never ever want to do that again because that hurts so much. And then the <laughs> next day you're on the internet where's the next one where's the next challenge and you can see runners do this over and over again I just laugh now when they say I'm never doing that again um (laughs) because it's usually like until the the pain wears off and then they're off on the next mission and it is like lifting your horizon every time and it's not something that stays out there permanently either by the way like you build yourself up to marathon ultra marathon whatever your, your goal is and then if you don't do it for a while I can tell you as someone who's you know not doing ultras now your world starts to shrink back in as to what you are capable mm. of doing and for me I'm like um, thinking can I do a half marathon you know that's with a load that I've got on which is a lot can I get back to that stage and you know like my focus has been on CrossFit and other things so you know my body's changed considerably uh, for the better I'd say but when it comes to going back long oh I've got to push that horizon back out again you know it doesn't stay out there permanently in other words it's a constant work battle really to keep it and when you're getting older you've also got that aspect coming into it too like trying to keep things at bay so guys you've also got three kids three kids busy life running marathons how do you find the time Well, I mean, we are very fortunate that now we are self-employed, so we kind of can design our own schedules. And I think that's a big advantage to the training um, because some days it happens at a certain time, some days it has to be pushed around a bit because of 
um, appointments, kids yep. things that we've got going on and everything. And we've also tried to include our kids in the journey, especially when they were young, they would travel with us a lot. Yep. And they got to go to, you know, so many of the states that we traveled to. And, you know, we tried to expand their horizons as well. And now that they're older and everything, it, sometimes he travels, and he's going to Italy um, next week, and I'll stay home with the kids. And then I'll go somewhere, you know, in September. So it's just about making it work and making sure the family is is supportive. Um, and it's not like your family has to be like your biggest fans, because there's only a certain level that your family <laughs> is going to get it. Like our kids yeah. could pretty much care less that we do marathons. They're like, you know, so what, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I hear you. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you making for dinner, mom? I don't care that you just ran a rate, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they, they're very good at bringing you back down to earth family members, oh, yeah. aren't they? Exactly. Kids, but I've got brothers and uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> You, you ran across the Sahara? Oh, yeah, whatever. You know, like, you know. What? Oh, you wrote a book. Oh, that's cool. I'll never read it, you know. <laughs> What's it about? Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. that's cruel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, fam- and that's family and it keeps you, uh, keeps you grounded. It does. <laughs> you're like, oh, 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 would it be nice to get a pat on the back? <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm, I'm being, they're not like, they're not that bad at all. Um, very supportive, actually. But when we were younger, that was definitely the case. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm probably vice versa because they are great surfers and I'm always like, oh, yeah, whatever, you're just riding 20-foot waves, that's cool. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I am sort of like, oh, wow, that's pretty awesome. Go, go guys. It is. Like, you guys have been epic today. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I think, you know, what you your, your podcast and thank you very Perfect. much, guys, for your time today. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you. Thank you so much. Likewise, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, big thanks to Lisa Tomati for having us on her show, Pushing the Limits. And it always feels weird to be on the other side of the mic to be interviewed. But Angie, you're getting better and better at this. We're going to start putting you out there. I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment. <laughs> like I was so, so bad in the beginning. You can interpret it however you want. But now I'm just fine. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. That's how compliments work in our house. <laughs> Well, now we want to talk about why you should take it one day at a time. Some thoughts that Angie had when she was out on her run recently. Before we do that, thanks to Organifi for sponsoring the podcast. They are makers of Organifi Gold Chocolate. Check it out. It is a superfood hot chocolate-like drink without all the sugar. Hot chocolate has like 25 grams of sugar usually, but Organifi Gold has one gram, and it has all this wonderful superfood ingredients like turmeric, reishi mushrooms, ginger, and it's formulated to help you relax in the evening. That's right, Trevor. You know, one of my favorite things to do in the evening is to settle in with a hot drink and a book and shut out the world, (laughs) start to relax and recover from the day. Yes. So the Organifi Gold Chocolate really fits the bill. It's USDA organic. It's certified gluten-free. It's dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, non-GMO, and it has clinically proven ingredients and 100% organic whole foods. So you can head over to Organifi.com forward slash MTA to check out the Organifi Gold Chocolate and all the other products that they offer. You can save 20% by going to Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash MTA. Well, I wanted to leave everyone with a thought that I had while I was on my run yesterday. It was actually quite hard to get out the door because it was about 10 degrees 
and I was not really feeling it, but the sun was shining. So I thought I need to get outside for my long run instead of doing the treadmill again. And as I was running, I was thinking about how the winter had seemed to be dragging on. It reminded me of that Robert Frost quote from the poem Servant to Servant, where it says, the best way out is always through. Hmm. And I was thinking how it's best just to take it one day at a time. And it kind of reminded me back when I was in college and I would receive the syllabus and the huge textbook for the class at the beginning of the term. And I would immediately read through it because I'm a type A personality and just feel overwhelmed, you know, like start overthinking it immediately. But if you take it one day at a time, one assignment at a time, it makes it manageable and you get through the course and you do okay. And it just kind of made me think that it's important to pursue your goals and dreams, but if they start pressing down on you and they start to feel like they're out of reach, that you're not making the progress you want to make, you just have to take it one day at a time. I know a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed with the pandemic, maybe with their jobs, with an injury they've got going on, maybe with parenting, whatever it is. I just want to encourage people that it's normal to have moments when your goals seem overwhelming and out of reach. I know it feels that way for me sometimes, but when you start doubting yourself, no matter what we're going through, you just have that one day, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. So don't let it overwhelm you. I know at times I've looked at my marathon training plan, and I felt intimidated maybe by the long runs or the paced workouts. But really, when it comes down to it, you just have to keep showing up and take it one day at a time. And you can even break it down into smaller increments than a day at a time. For example, Trevor, you've probably had this feeling that 20 miles is a long way. And sometimes you doubt whether you can do it, even though maybe you've done it in the past. Yeah. But you know that you can do one mile. So take it one mile at a time. Maybe a mile seems too overwhelming, but you can take that next step. And so you just take one step at a time. And so I think by breaking down your goals into the small, immediate steps that you need to take, it really helps reframe it. It doesn't seem so big and overwhelming. The best way out is through. It reminds me of an experience I had yesterday. I was at the doctor because I have this mole (laughs) that I was concerned about. There's a history of melanoma in my family. So I went in there and uh, he looked at it and he said, you know, this thing is on my neck, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. He said, that's a wart. Everyone has this lovely picture of me now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Warty Neck Man. (laughs) So anyway, he says, do you want me to burn it off? He says, I can do it right now. And I said, what happens if, if I just try to not touch it and leave it alone? He says, it'll keep bothering you. So I said, sure. So he, he goes, he leaves the room and he comes back with his tank of nitrogen, takes the lid off and there's like smoke coming out. He says, now this stuff is so cold that it'll feel like it burns. And uh, I was, you know, I was kind of a little bit nervous about someone coming at me with a burning cotton swab. Like what if it drips on my, so I knew it was going to burn. And it's just like going to the dentist and having a root canal. Like usually the anticipation is the worst part. The sometimes. Pa- <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> In my experience, like if you got to go get a shot, right? like in your gums, no one wants to do that. But for me, it doesn't hurt that bad once it actually happens. It's all of the angst and anticipation. Right. We had a, a guest on the podcast who was pretty conversant in Buddhism, and he said there's these two darts. The first dart is the actual physical pain. The second dart is the emotional pain. It's the angst, and it's all the stuff in your head. And that's what really hurts is the second order suffering, this that second dart. So anyway, I was aware of this and I decided as he was coming at me with this like burning, freezing cotton swab toward my neck, I'm thinking... See, cotton swabs don't sound very menacing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> How do I make it sound more epic? Uh, it's like a hot poker. I'm like a, a cow getting branded. Like, look up. All right. So he's coming at my neck and I thought, bring the pain. I want to feel this pain. I want to lean into the pain. 
And that's something that I learned uh, from marathon training and from getting through long runs and from getting through marathons is you just, it's like that song, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. (laughs) Pain becomes more familiar friend. Now, I'm not saying that I'm good at this, but I think that there's wisdom in that. And Angie, you're probably better at living with pain and uh, you have a really high pain tolerance. So you actually would find it fascinating to have something burned off of you. (laughs) Be like, hey, let me do it myself. (laughs) But you welcome the pain. That's right. Did you learn that from marathon training or what? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, maybe it's part of my personality, but also, you know, if I have a goal, then I don't let the threat of pain stop me from accomplishing it. Look for it. Welcome it. See if that helps you manage it. The best way out is through. That's right. Take it one day at a time. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for being a subscriber to the podcast. You guys are awesome. If we can help you in any way in your goals and your training, reach out. We got a contact form on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. Until next time, keep taking action in your goals. And remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way, right on my way.